Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Amen. Are you all ready for God's Word today? How many are excited about God's Word? All right. I am. I'm very excited about this message. Pastor Kathy's going to be up in a few minutes, but I told her I need the first part to just set it all up. And uh, we have a gift for everybody we're going to be handing out in just a moment. But I want to just cast this here out first of all. The Bible tells us that, there's, uh, that we're living in the last days. How many can agree with that? And there's many Christians say they live out their lives just existing. And they live from day to day. They really don't have a plan for their life. They really don't understand their purpose. They really don't understand the mandate that God has put in. And the blueprint that God has put upon everyone that's in this room. They have no personal vision and no sense of divine summons in leading their life for, from a life filled with the Spirit and living for God. In the Bible, the, the word vision literally means to see or sight, okay? It speaks of revelation. It's the act or power of sensing with the eyes. It's seeing what it is that God sees. And Scripture says in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without. Everybody say without. Without a vision, it says the people perish or they cast off restraint. But happy is he that keeps his law or keeps his word. I love it in the Message Bible. It says that people can't see what God is doing. They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So we recognize that you and I are called to live by revelation knowledge of God. But we're also not to be people that are without a vision. We need a vision for our life. And we all know our vision is very simple. We care. How does that break down? When the generations Christ connect them to his master plan, empower them to succeed, and ultimately grow and expand the kingdom of God. It's very, very simple. It's very easy to engage in, and we've kept it very, very user-friendly. But also, I've recognized something about a vision, is a godly vision would include at least seven elements. The number one and the most important thing to me of the heavenly vision is it's got to be biblically based. Everybody say biblically based. If God's word is his will, which it is, then how many know it needs to be based? Because that's the only solid foundation. The Bible says wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of the times that we live in today. So it needs to be firmly based upon the word of God. I believe that there's different programs in the church world, and a lot of them are, are very effective and good. But the most important thing to me is having a biblical-based, solid foundation for the vision. The second thing is it needs to be change-orientated. It's just a repeat, not of a new thing that's coming into the church world. Uh, how many know growth always involves stretching? It always brings us out, if you want to term it, of our comfort zones. And so if it is going to be a vision from God, it's going to stretch. Us. It's going to be something that's challenging us, but it's also ultimately with the purpose to change us. Is there anybody here that would like to see some change inside of your life? Is there anybody that would like to have a little bit more joy? Anybody like, come on, raise your hands. Anybody like to have a little more peace? Anybody like to have a little more love and forgiveness? Come on. Anybody ever lose that love and feeling and want to get it back? You want to get it back? We're going to tell you how, okay? So anyway, the vision also comprises the element. It needs to be customized to you personally out there. Each of us has a destiny. Each of us has, God has a plan. And we are not called to do everything, but there are some things that God has called us to do. And we're going to introduce that in just a moment. We also 
also understand we have to have an action plan. What I've watched over these here last 41 years of ministry is many people, they start off well, but after a short time, they die off. Just like I can't tell you how many people have had New Year's resolutions. And they buy the exercise equipment and they invest all this money. And then two weeks later, they're depressed more than they were when they started. And then I've recognized that you go to a garage sale, you can buy most of the equipment and it's almost brand new. And there's reasons why that. Because Coach Greg Sacatelli many years ago that, that helped me to bring up the church and bring up the vision. And he said, Rick, you got to have an action plan for whatever it is that you're going to do for God. How many know that all the actions is just the corresponding uh, to what it is of our newfound faith? See, we can have faith to do it. How many know there was faith to build a woman's home? How many know there was faith to build a benevolent center? How many know there was faith to build a building? But how many know you still needed engineers and architects to do it? So you have what you want to term action plans of what it is that you're going to do. One of the things that frustrate me is people sometimes are, they act insane. What do you mean? They do the same thing over and over and over, and they're expecting different results. And if you're doing the same thing year after year after year, and you're expecting different results, the Bible Dictionary, Eaton's Bible Dictionary, Wester's Bible Dictionary, and Unger's Bible Dictionary says, the word that just described what you do is called insanity. And how many know you're not insane, amen? But sometimes some of the things we do are crazy out there. We're expecting different results, but we don't have a plan to do it. And then the next thing is whatever the vision is going to be, it's always going to be about people. It's going to be about being better for God ourselves. And then guess what? Better for the people that God has brought inside of our life. So it's going to be people-oriented. Then I reckon not only does it need to be Bible-based as a foundation out there, but it also must be Christ-centered. There's too much of teaching and too much ministry today that's not about Jesus Christ. And Paul said, God forbid if I preach about the cross of Christ because because of it, my interest in this world is dead. How many know the gospel is all about the person of Jesus Christ? It's his death. It's his burial. It's his resurrection. You and I are his people. We have the blessed hope and appearing of God our Savior that's on the horizon. The Bible starts about the person of Christ and the Bible ends about the person of Christ. And so it needs to be a Christ-centered focus that we are doing as the vision and everybody said amen then the last thing about it is we need to be personally passionate about what it is of the vision that God's put in our heart well are you ready for this here WCF this year is going to get everybody on the same page okay how many know we're four weeks out almost five weeks out from Christmas right now All right? And you break that down, it's about 30 days out right now to Christmas. So ushers, I want you to hand these out. We have a gift for everyone in here today. So one per family that's here. And if you're divorced or you're single or you're a teenager, you can take one of these here also. We have it. It's called the gift of Christmas. Everybody say the gifts of Christmas. Okay? And hang on. Hang on. This little book is a devotional for the next 30 days. Now, how many know Pastor Kathy's a quick learner? Three people know that. Okay, I'm married to her. She grasps things very, very quickly. I'm one of those guys that's a little bit slower to get it. But once I get it, I stick with it, amen? And so, there's a devotion. Now, listen to me. Before you open your book, don't open it, because there's something I got to hit in a minute, okay? So, and if you open it, then you're going to get mad, and then you're going to wonder why. So, just don't open it, okay? So, so between 21 and 28 days, 
habits are formed and habits are established in our life. You do the same thing repetitiously for 21 to 28 days, and you'll have a habit that's going to be. If you're struggling with porn addictions today, get out of it for 21 to 28 days. Shut your computer off, and if you need to keep it off permanently, keep it off permanently. If you need help, get somebody to help you, okay? We have all kinds of things for that. If you're a shopaholic, within 21 to 28 days, you can be delivered even before Christmas time. Come on now. Whatever the addiction it is that's in your life, you can be free from 21 to 28 days. I'm not making this up, okay? Psychologists, and they're all over the room, can tell you that this is all, this is all proven out today. So what we've done now to introduce it right now. Does there anybody here needs a little more peace in your life? Just a little bit more. Is there anybody needs a little bit more hope? Okay. So, uh, is there anybody needs hope in somebody that you love? The loved one. Come on. Okay. Is there anybody here needs a little more joy? Okay. You know, Christians they go like this. Uh, I didn't want to tell you about Jesus. And as I can look at them, I wouldn't want him. If you're the best, come on now. From just the way they're looking at you, the way they're talking to you out there. You know, uh, Demas Shakarian uh, said that Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. Thanks, Pastor Rick. We got it. Okay. Anybody else will need a little bit more love in your life? Okay. You lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. See, I'm getting you joyful right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> got to get it back. Got to get it back. Got to get it back. Okay. So here's what I want you to do right now. Open up to where it says introduction. There's one word in there that I particularly don't like, but it's as user-friendly for the world to bring them in to try to get them. And it says, the Christmas share in the magic as we unwrap four of the most important gifts that we could ever receive. I personally don't like the word magic in there, but I understand what the writers are saying. It's from Outreach International. They try to make it as user-friendly. Okay, here's the thing. The four weeks before Christmas, the second paragraph Advent is the season that is officially observed in many churches in the four weeks before Christmas are set aside as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of Jesus' birth. The term Advent is a version of the Latin word which means coming. So how many know not only does it prepare us for the first coming of Jesus which already transpired, but how many know to celebrate, but how many know also the second coming of Jesus? And every one of these here devotions has got seven that go with it. So there's, everybody say, seven on hope. Seven, <laughs> seven on joy. Seven. So every one of them has seven lessons. And then Kathy and I will be hitting them on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the last two. So it's giving you the time. It's based upon the Word of God. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Quote from Isaiah 9, 6, and then it brings in the New Testament, Hebrews. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So next week, there's a whole message going to be on the subject of hope, but to prepare yourself for it, you got seven days. Everybody say seven days. So start this afternoon. It takes between 12 and 15 minutes to do it. Then you can type in one of the hymns, or, excuse me, one of the um, Christmas carols, okay? <laughs> and rather than me leading you in a Christmas carol right now, okay? I know the joy level would go up high, okay? But rather than me leading you in it, just type in YouTube and whatever the song is that's in there in your book. This one says, Away in a Manger. 
and then get to meetings and you play that song and you explain what the words mean to the children that are with you or to your friends or whoever it is, the family. And you can invite people over and then the focus is, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. So then it brings in the aspect of the foundation of what you're teaching into their everyday practical terms of life. So I want to encourage every person, especially the dads in here, the grandpas in here, Take the lead. If your children live with you, whatever it might be, take the lead and start being the Arnold Schwarzenegger, the initiator, okay? And as you begin to, and that went over so well, you're all like, you guys never saw a Schwarzenegger movie, okay? So you be the initiator, okay, in leading your family in the devotion. And I promise you, at the end of the 30 days, I believe we're going to see revival in families. We're going to see habits that are formed that's not going to stop on December 25th. It's going to continue on throughout the whole year. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for that. Kathy, you go. Amen. Okay, I'm going to talk for a few minutes about why do we celebrate Christmas? Why Christmas? And, uh, you know, it really is all about the birth of Jesus Christ. Obviously, nobody knows for sure the day Jesus was born. But I'm going to tell you some reasons why. There's many historical theories of why uh, we celebrate Christmas on December uh, 25th. And so I'm going to share some of those with you. And, uh, and most of the information I got out of Wikipedia, just so you know. <laughs> Didn't get it from there. Okay. Okay. Um, there's several, several reasons why. December 25th was the date that the Romans marked as the winter solstice. Um, that means the shortest and the darkest day of the year. And the first day in which the day would begin to elongate. So the solstice, what that meant, it was, you know how we have a short, you know, December is there's the shortest day of the year, right? The darkest, the shortest, where the sun shines the least amount of time. Well, that would happen in, in December. But then the time starts to get longer, right? And so they picked December 25th because of that uh, as Jesus being identified as light, as the son of God based on the Old Testament. And the date is exactly nine months following the Annunciation when the conception of Jesus is celebrated, which is one theory that may have influenced that day as being Mm -hmm. the Christmas day, the day Jesus was born. Also, another theory, the ancient Romans had a series of pagan festivals near the end of the year. And Christmas may have been scheduled at this time to appropriate or compete with one of these festivals. In other words, what happened was they were, uh, they were celebrating pagan festivals until Christianity came in. And so when they decided to pick, the, pick Christmas or the holy day when Jesus' birth would be celebrated, they wanted to compete with the holidays because people already had holidays. And they knew if they took those holidays away from them because they were worshiping uh, gods, false gods, uh, so they wanted Christmas to be at the same time so they could still have the holiday. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it would be no longer worshiping the gods, but worshiping Jesus. And um, also some scholars disagree with the latter interpretation. So, and they state that the Roman Empire Aurelian placed a pagan celebration on December 25th in order to compete with the growing rate of the Christian church, which had already been celebrating Christmas on that day. So in other words, some scholars believe the pagan holiday started first and Christian, the Christian holiday was assigned at the same time 
to be able to allow people to still have the holiday, but to get them away from the pagan gods to Christ. And, but some people disagree with that and think Christmas is already being celebrated the 25th already, and that the pagans picked that date to compete with the Christians. So nobody really knows for sure. I got an answer for it all. Who gives a flip yeah, to well, celebrate his birth? Okay, go ahead. I was going to okay, say know, that, but it's not your turn. <laughs> but anyway. I can't wait. It's just inside. <laughs> Regardless, okay, in 354 AD, Christmas was decreed to be celebrated December 25th. In reality, it was the Roman Empire Emperor Constantine who declared December 25th to be Christ's birthday in the year 336 AD. What was his reason? It was based on political pressure. Uh, many zealous church members urged the decree. Why December 25th? Again, as I said, it was already a heathen holiday. And um, the pagan feast began two weeks of festivities, which included feasting, drinking, abstention from work, musical uh, presentations, and the exchanging of gifts. Now, Constantine was maybe the first Christian emperor. Um, some people don't think he really was a Christian. Some people say he was. So there's, you can watch different documentaries and get different versions of that. Mm -hmm. But That's as a result true. of a, one of the versions is because he had a vision of the cross. It is true that Constantine's mother was a very devout Christian mm -hmm. and prayed for him. And she actually made the first pilgrimage to That's Israel. Right. And actually was the one that put uh, sort of when her, when she, because she was Constantine's mother, she had lots of resources. So when she did that pilgrimage to Israel, she was the one that kind of staked out all the sites of where things happened mm -hmm. related to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, basically, as Rick just said, it's not about the date right. as much as about the fact that Jesus Christ was born. Come on. And we celebrate that. And we know we celebrate that all the time. But we, we need to have special days. You know, it's important to have special days. Just because other people don't, won't celebrate him all the time. But they will take note on the special days. And maybe surrender their life to him. And so it's really important that we understand that Christmas is about Jesus. About God right. taking on flesh. Being born into this world as a baby. In order to reconcile us to God. Bring us back from a fallen state of sin. See, there was no hope. There was no way to be reconciled to God prior to that. And, you know, the whole world was waiting for a way. And when Jesus came as the Messiah, he is the way. And so we celebrate his birth, the fact that God took on flesh and dwelt among us and lived and died for us so that we could be made right with God and be back with him. That's what Christmas is really all about. Mm -hmm. And um, now, obviously, in a Christmas season, there's a lot of secularism, materialism that has come out. In fact, the world right now is desperately trying to get Christ out of Christmas. That's right. We, um, and, and to me, the only people that would want to get Christ out of Christmas or eliminate Christmas are, is, the, is the devil because he doesn't like the recognition, any recognition right. give, being given to Jesus Christ. And uh, so the world over Christmas, they don't want you to say Merry Christmas anymore. They want to say season's greetings or happy holidays. I, um, I, was, I was at Great Lake Crossing a few years ago and uh, I was in the food court and there was a radio station kind of set up live there and it was right at, just before Christmas. And and um, he, the uh, DJ was uh, talking and he was saying, um, you know, I just want to wish everybody a happy holiday. We're not going to say Merry Christmas because we don't want to offend anybody. And I went over to him when he put a song on and I said, you just offended me because I'm a Christian and this is our holiday. 
And it is not right that, you know, people try to take our holiday away from us or change right. it to be something it was not meant to be. And so there is a lot of, uh, you know, materialism and there's a lot of things. But at the same time, at Christmas time, you know, I always find, even in the secular realm, there's a lot of giving, which is Come on. what God does, right? He's a giver. Uh, there's a lot of people that will give, and Rick will share, share some statistics on that in a minute. But, uh, you know, people will give more to different benevolent ministries of some sort, and people will just have a different attitude, in a, and um, it does influence people. Now... We're going to be doing a series in the next four weeks, and with that book that we just handed out, The Gifts of Christmas, and, you know, everybody's at different seasons in their life. That's right. You know, we can be at a good season, a happy season, a joyous season, you know, where things are going well for us, but how many know there'll be other times where we're struggling through a trial or a difficult time? And the things that God offers us cannot be bought. That's right. You know, that we cannot go to a store and get them. You know, we can't get them any other means. We can't earn them. We can't, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter what relationships you're in. There are certain things that only God can truly give us on the inside. And that is hope, love, joy, and peace. That's right. True hope, true love, true joy, true peace. And, and really, those are the greatest gifts of all. Because you can have everything this world has to offer. And if you don't have hope... That's and right. you don't have love, and you don't have joy, and you don't have peace. What good is it? What good is it? So often we're going after all of those other things, trying to get the four gifts that God has already given us mm -hmm. through what he did for us. And so we are excited, and we love to celebrate Christmas because it's an opportunity to tell the world about That's the right. Savior that came to earth right. to die for them. And, and, you know, there's a lost and dying world out there, and we need to see people and help people find him and, and just be able to know that Jesus is someone to be recognized, somebody that we, we're not going to X him out, right? We're not going to X him out. We're not going to take away from who he is and what he did for us. Christmas is about Jesus Christ, period. That's what it's about. That's right. And here's the thing about it is how many, how many people that are dead do you celebrate their birthday? You can make reference to it. So-and-so died on such and such, but we celebrate his birthday. Why? Because the Son of God's not dead. He's alive today. He rose from the dead today. So you only celebrate living people's birthday. You don't celebrate dead people's birthday. Okay, that's one thing I, uh, that's on my list here. But here's the point that I want to bring out today is Christians got to understand that the whole world stops for one day. The whole world stops and gives attention for one day, and it gets back to Christ. I can recall 60 years ago as a little six-year-old kid, five-year-old kid, I can remember out there that we used to go singing in our neighborhoods, okay? Singing in our neighborhoods. What do you mean? We used to go sing Christmas carols. And we weren't concerned about being politically correct or any other thing, okay? We just went out there and did it because we made a few bucks. Come on. So as a little kid, and guess what? Everybody would smile at us. And there was about six or seven of us kids. we go down and say, Hark the herald angels sing. You know, and probably didn't keep a beat and didn't give a flip about what people thought. But we used to sing. And then people would come out and give us money. But I recognized something. Everybody was happy back then. 
Even in a family, man, that that was one time of the year that was pretty decent. Without the, it's like they took a, they took a time off, you know. Anyway, but I'm saying all that to say this here. It's a very, very special time that the world focuses in on the Christ child. Can you all say amen? And then what happens? They want to know about a story. So here's the facts. So when I typed it all in and was researching this here, what do Christians think about Christmas? So I went in and I got the most recent one that I could find on what we might call evangelical, okay? What does that mean? History is his story. What else does that mean? We believe that you must be born again, according to the Bible, to enter the kingdom of God. The message evangelist comes from the word evangelistic, which means tell the people the good news, spread the people the good news. And I found out Christmas and Easter Passover is two of the greatest days that people are more open than any other time to hear the gospel like nothing else. Amen? So now you got tools that you can share with your friends, you can share with your neighbor, and as they see transformation in you and your family, so they're going to see it inside of your life. In a survey conducted by the Evangelical Alliance in 2016, now this one was done in the UK. Look what it said. 39% of evangelicals surveyed will either provide food parcels for people in their community or meals for homeless or vulnerable people. So 39% of all of them are actually going to reach out and help with corresponding actions to their faith. 99% of evangelicals surveyed will take part in a religious activity this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And you say, are public even singing in carols like I told you as a kid? So 99%, everybody say 99%. Okay, hang on. 94% will take part in a carol service. They just like the the Christmas carols. And then 89% of evangelical survey will either volunteer or give money to a charitable cause this Christmas. 89% is going to reach out to the less fortunate, somebody that's something that's going on that, that, that normally they wouldn't do. And then 73% of evangelicals surveyed will give to charity, and 22% will give money to local, national, or international charity, just as jam. It's amazing how many people and how many children every year that this church sponsors throughout the whole year. It just, it's, it's, it's the highest in all Canada. For churches, right here in Windsor Christian Fellowship. Amen. Okay. Why? Well, I, I sit on the board, so I know about it. 99% give consistently throughout the year, but they increase their giving at Christmas time. Two-thirds, 66% see Christmas in the UK as still celebrating Jesus' birth. Everybody say, celebrating Jesus' birth. Kathy said it. Christmas literally means the anointed mass or the anointed celebration. That's what it means. And then it goes on here. When asked personally about the enjoyment of various aspects of Christmas, Jesus came out on top. 93% scored celebrating his birth highly. 84% celebrated enjoying spending time with family and friends. And 76 said spending time giving presents. And 35 receiving presents. And 19% eating indulgently. Okay. Why do, now this is the point that I want to zero in that's going to be an eye-opener for all of us in here. C&Es, everybody say C&E. What is a C&E? A C&E is a Christmas and Easter Christian. How many know there's a whole bunch of them? But our job is not just to keep them C&E, 
It's our job to make the C and E's P, which means participants all year round. And that's what this season is about. Now listen to this here. Why do occasional churchgoers go to Christmas, uh, go to church for Christmas, okay? Motivation for going. Are you ready for this here? Are you ready? 94% said they were motivated by the music. 75% said they wanted to be reminded of the Christmas story. Hang on. That means three quarters of the C&E's Wanted to know what the Bible had to say. Because this Christmas story is only recorded in the Bible. Are you there? And then 55% said they wanted to feel close to God. So apparently connecting at church, singing their Christmas carols, and hearing the story caused them to be more connected to God. And then listen, 55% said they wanted to worship God. And 52% said they wanted to find the true meaning of Christmas. Hello, the real meaning of Christmas is Christ came in the flesh with the mandate to seek and to save that which is lost, disconnected, broken, and separated from God and bring them back to God through the cross. That's his whole message, amen? 94% said they expected the service to be uplifting. Belief in the Christian story amongst occasional churchgoers, 58% believe in the birth took place in a stable. Okay? 50, this is the C&E's. 57% believe in the role of the shepherds. Now, how did that come? Almost 60% of them, because they heard it based upon the word, and some of them remember the story from a little child. And then 55% believe in the wise men, and let me just tell you this here. Don't throw out your nativity set. Yeah, that's right. Don't throw it out, but it's not scriptural. What do you mean by that? The shepherds are, as we read the story, but the three wise men, they saw the star and they left and it took them almost two years to get there. I'm not going to develop the whole thing where they came from, from India and all that. I don't have time for that. I've studied and researched it all out. But the child was uh, up to two years old when they actually came. And he wasn't in a stable. He was in a house. So that means Joseph and Mary, Joseph was a carpenter, but literally you studied out, he was a home builder. And he had a house for Jesus. Can you all say amen? Now there's, there's whole messages. So don't get bent out of shape on it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, amen? But to point out, the kings did come, but it wasn't when he was born. And that's why Herod went and wiped out all the children two years and under. Now you can understand that part of the story. 54% believe in the wise men that came. And 42% believe in the virgin birth. And these are ones that are unchurched that don't even go to church. The greatest opportunity, the greatest hunger is at this time of the year is to reach our unsaved loved ones, our unsaved friends. And you got a tool now that you can even invite them over and say, hey, why don't you want, you want to do a little devotion with us 10 minutes a day for the next 30 days? Your next door neighbors you can invite, your kids over, you can invite the kids in the neighborhood, you can invite your kids' friends over, you can invite the teenage friends over, and just say, hey, we're just going to do a little devotion here and talk the story over here, because everything you say, they're going to check it out on Wikipedia, they're going to check it out on YouTube, they're going to check it out on Google. 
And it's all right there, the whole story there. What a time to bring a harvest in. What a time. And I believe that this Christmas, you're going to be so excited about Jesus. You're going to be so excited about his story. You're going to have the love of God that's compelling you. You're going to have the hope of God that's before you. You're going to have the joy of God. You're going to experience the peace that you've never had to this year point in another whole dimension with God. And it's all because you're acting on your faith. Amen? Yeah. You know, Luke, two verse, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says, For unto you this day is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, Christ is the only Savior given to mankind. There is salvation in no other. And there's no other, on, no other name in he- under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. And that's in Acts 4.12. What makes Christmas important? that the Savior of the world came into the world to save it. And, and that's what's so exciting. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes about, you know, I know there's a lot of um, secular Christmas songs, and, but there's a lot of great Christmas carols that really, yes, you know, exalt Jesus and who he is and sing about him. But I remember when I was young and... Um, You're still young. <laughs> when I was a kid. Good, and, hey guys, uh, <laughs> And, you know, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and, and I used to go to Mass on Christmas Eve, um, where we would, you know, have the Christmas Eve service. And even though I didn't know the Lord then, there was something about that that wa- made me want to know God. There was something about being there that drew me. I felt, I felt something special. I felt God's presence. And I remember praying many times in, in the church, even though I didn't really know the Lord, and, and, uh, but I would I would talk to God and tell God that I wanted to know him, that I wanted to serve him, even though I didn't understand it all then. And um, I remember quite a few years ago, shortly after I was saved, I was working at a mall in Toronto area, and we were ordered to be at work a half an hour early to stand around in the, they had a big Christmas tree and kind of outside the big department store, and we were ordered to, go, to get there at a certain time, and we had to sing Christmas carols. And before we started work. And they would sing the really good ones. And I remember, because I was a Christian then. I had, be, I had gotten saved. And I remember, you know, I was witnessing to a lot of friends at work. And, the, and now they had to sing these songs that were glorifying wow. Jesus. And it was really exciting because I would get to talk to them after and explain it to them. And they were much more open after they had sung those Christmas carols than they were before. And I want to talk about some of the songs, because there's a lot of them that have incredible words to them. And uh, there's some, obviously, like I said, that are secular. People have, uh, you know, the enemy is always trying to rob us of of, uh, what God wants. But one song is, O Holy Night. And the words are this, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. I know this is Old English. Uh, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. So it's talking about how the world didn't have hope. The world was left in its sin until he came. And then we felt worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Come on. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine when Christ was born. O night divine, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O night divine. And it's all about the Savior of the world. He's come into the world. 
Fall on your knees and worship him and thank him for what he has done for you. No wonder the devil wants to wipe it out. Come on. Right? And then another song is joy to the world. It's joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the earth with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Mm. Wow. You know, it's talking about he broke the, you know, he, he destroyed the curse. We're no longer under the curse if you're in Christ. That's right. And you have hope. You have true joy. You know, whatever circumstance you may find yourself in, and I know there's people here that are at a good place in their life and doing well and the blessings of God are there, and there's some of you that you're in the midst of a trial. But you know what? Your hope is in Him. Your joy is in Him. You find love and peace in Him and in Him alone. And He will empower you, and he will deliver you, and he will get you through to the other side. But you got to press into him. He's your strength. He's your refuge. He's your hope. He's your life. Amen? And the more difficult a time may be, the more you need to press into him. And he will bring you to the other side. That's right. Because he gives us hope where there is no hope. Amen? That's the message next Sunday morning. I know. Amen. 31 years ago, I read It's Preparation Time. I pulled that out of my file, and I said, you know what? That's really dated. How many know 31 years, a lot can change? And so I put it up now. I wrote my newest poem. Are you ready? I must go online and order these gifts this day. Amazon's awaiting to check out and pay. The gifts are family that need to be bought are sure quite trying and need to be sought. Tired of stressing over last-minute details because everything today seems to be on sale. The turkey, the pig meat, and sweet potatoes food, everything needs to be presented and looking good. The tree decoration and the lights so bright, all pointing to the one who's truly the light. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, too, got to keep you aware of the latest news. The news, the gossip, conversations, and the like, emphasizing the temporal with no substance or life. In the midst of all the preparations and rush, there's still a God whose word is a must. Have we become a generation with no more room for Christ? And has the light of the world grown dim within us? The season, the celebration, the giving spirit are all the Holy Spirit's reminders to stir us up. The greed, neglect, and worldly seeds sown will bring a harvest of distance between you and the God that has grown. Yet God still loves us and brought you here today and calls each one of us to humble ourselves and pray. After Christmas 2017 comes and goes, will you heed his call or wander off and doze? His desire for you to hear and obey his voice so that you can be positioned to make the right choice. Today, in the midst of all the rushing and celebrations, will you stop and listen to God's deliberation? The gift of salvation, so incredible and free, was paid by Christ's blood on a rugged old tree. The blood of Calvary was set just up 
was not just a historical event, but to you and I forever, a life-changing event. His birth brought joy to the shepherds in the field, and his death brought life and the Holy Spirit sealed. His resurrection brought liberty for the souls of all mankind to open up prison doors and lift the scales that kept us blind. If you're here today and wondering what this preacher's saying, maybe it's a call from heaven to get you back a praying. Are you ready and prepared for this incredible Christmas season? Or are you living life with no apparent reason? The clock is ticking and time is running out. As we approach midnight, let's put away all doubts. He came as a baby in a manger back then. He's coming back as a deliverer. With him, you will go. His long-suffering and patience are truly amazing. What is your focus and where are you gazing? Excuses, excuses are heard every day by men and women who refuse to pray. But the overcomers are the ones committed to pray, for by grace and faith, victory comes their way. So my friends, open up your hearts to Jesus this day and watch and see what will happen this day. Amen and amen.